Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported. That means we truly depend on you in order to bring this resource to you. If you don't already support us financially, you could do so. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. You'll see our three friendly yellow buttons there. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. Click on one of them and fill that out. If you'd like to support us the traditional way, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Thursday, January 9th, 2020. Yeah, it feels like we're going to be doing some Prophecy cleanup work still. Oh, by the way, if you haven't played Prophecy Bingo yet for 2020, yeah, that's posted over at um, the uh, YouTube channel. It, it's designed to be a group activity. We posted it yesterday. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I'm your servant in Jesus Christ. And this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there. We take the time to open up God's Word, to compare and contrast with the most popular Pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curriculum we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over and again, we demonstrate that the uh, daily <clears throat> diet of doctrine— that is teaching that is put forward in uh, many evangelical churches, far from biblical, far from what God's Word says. And we want to save you a lot of eternal heartache and woe, so we do a lot of uh, debunking here. Yeah, that's part of what we do. And uh, since it's the beginning of the year, and at this point the uh, the visible church is being flooded with so-called prophecies, yeah, Um we unfortunately have to pay attention to what's going on in the particular Kairos season. <laughs> Note the buzzword there. Uh, Kairos season so that we can um, uh, warn the body of Christ about the nonsense that's going on. All that being said, like I said, yesterday on the YouTube channel, we released uh, a, 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 a an event that we do from time to time. I, I won't talk about the regularity with which we do this because uh, I want it to remain an event. But uh, one of the ways in which we demonstrate that these prophecies are not prophecies, uh, th these are just the spewing of uh, charismatic buzzwords, if you would, is uh, we we play prophecy bingo. Now, a while back, it's actually been a few years now, I put together a, a, a prophecy bingo card generator. 
and uh, it loaded into the database all of these prophetic buzzwords that are making the rounds. And uh, and what happens is when you go to fightingforthefaith.com, type in bingo in the uh, in the search bar there, you, you can find our prophecy bingo card generator. And and you could, if you want, you can hit the refresh button so that you have you know you know go through it a few times and then you know get something completely random in front of you. And then you can play Prophecy Bingo with us. This is designed to be a fun event. Uh, we are not taking ourselves seriously, and we are definitely not taking these prophecies seriously because they're not prophecies. And uh, and uh, the, the idea is have fun. So uh, head over to the YouTube channel. In fact, what I'll do on this installment of Fighting for the Faith I will, <laughs> if you go to fightingforthefaith.com, find the January 9th, 2020 episode uh, with the episode itself. I'll embed the uh, the video uh, from our YouTube channel, our Prophecy Bingo, and uh, you can grab yourself a Prophecy Bingo card and maybe you and a group of friends could play along. It's, like I said, it's designed to be fun while at the same time educational about if th- these are really God's words, and how is it that a prophecy bingo card with words that were plugged into a database years ago th- that people are still getting bingo? <laughs> it's like all the time. <clears throat> yeah, you, you get the idea. So all that being said, today we're going to be talking about prophecy on this installment of Fighting for the Faith, and we're going to kind of ease into this. What we're going to do is we're going to begin with a Keith Craft update. Yeah, a Keith Craft update. And uh, with that update, what we're going to do is we're going to be heading down to the Cathedral of Frisco. And uh, when we get there, what we will be doing is listening to a practice that is far too common than it should be. And that's the practice of revealing the singular word that God has given to a vision casting um, uh, leader and... uh, (laughs) <laughs> and and noting that this is not a biblical practice, this has not been practiced in the church. It's not taught in the uh, in the Bible at all. And as a result of it, what is being passed off here as as prophecy or as a word of the Lord is actually a form of manipulation. Yeah, that's exactly what that is. And uh, and so we'll listen to Keith Craft as he from his New Year's Eve service reveals the word that God gave him for Elevate Life Church for the year 2020. And he talks about, you know, where this uh, tradition, it's a tradition of men, not a tradition of God, comes from. I I think you get the idea. And then we'll take a break. uh, And then when we come back from the break, we are going to, hang on a second here, need to pull this up. We are going to go to, well, we're going to do a little more prophecy work. We're going to spend some time in the biblical text in Deuteronomy chapters 13 and 18, and then we're going to look at Phil Pringle's failed prophecy, uh, his failed prophetic vision for C3 Church, the C3 Church movement, the so-called 2020 vision that he's had for a long, 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 long time and been talking about for a long, 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 long time. And we'll note that uh, this is yet another example of a failed Phil Pringle prophecy and that's exactly what it is. And then to kind of, you know, dogpile on the concept, we're going to head back in time to the Brownsville Revival and uh, listen to Michael Brown give a prophecy regarding a youth revival that was supposed to be launched by God at the Brownsville Revival 
that would catch on to such an impact that it would eclipse the Brownsville revival itself. Mm-hmm. Y'all remember the name of that um, that revival, that youth revival that started at Brownsville and eclipsed Brownsville? Yeah, I'm having a hard time to remember the name of that thing. So that will be today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Strongly recommend you make yourself comfortable. We've got a lot of ground that we need to cover. And since we're going to begin <laughs> with a Keith Craft update, uh, we're going to be heading to the Mariachi Trench. Let's do this. These are the sounds of the Mariachi Trench. If you're not sure what that is, look in the archives the podcast of Fighting for the Faith. The revealer of the Mariachi Trench is none other than Keith Kraft, the vision casting leader at Elevate Life Church at the Cathedral of Frisco in Frisco, Texas. We're going to be listening to him as he takes us into the depths of man-made tradition. As he gets ready to reveal the specific word that God has given him for the year 2020. Let me back off on the music here. Here's Keith Kraft. Well, I've been so excited because for when, when I, you know, when I get these words from the Lord, uh, this tradition, and it is a tradition for our family of choice, for our church, uh, started in 2006 when we were six years old. All right. Now, I'm going to point something out here. This tradition, he said, started for our church back in 2006. Now, I've been in the church for most of my life. Uh, yeah. So, really active as a Christian from the time I was in junior high, that would be seventh grade until now. And when I was growing up, no churches had individual words that God gave to their pastors every calendar year. So you're going to know for them, this started when? In 2006. So, so let me ask you, what was the word of the Lord for your church in the year 1973? 1967. 52. 41. Yeah, you're going to note here, this is a new practice. And I'm going to just ask a question. When did God start doing this? And where in the Bible should we be led to believe that this is what God's going to do for our unique or individual congregations? I, I, I'll kind of leave that out there for a little bit as he continues to develop his thought. And I begin to realize something, that God had us on this trajectory of 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 this supernatural experience of establishing this church in little bitty old Frisco, Texas in 2000 when there was only 28,000 people here. But God knew what was coming. He knew what he wanted to do, and he knew he he wanted to gather a group of people that would help bring his kingdom from heaven to earth. And so gather a group of people that would help bring his kingdom from heaven to earth. What does that mean exactly? How does one bring the kingdom from heaven to earth? Now, I would note that uh, we yeah, we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. You're familiar with this prayer. Right, so thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how does the kingdom of God come to an individual human being? We, we are definitely praying that God's kingdom would come among us. God's kingdom will come, you know, whether we try to stop it or not. But how does God's kingdom come among individual human beings or among congregations? Answer, God, we know that God's kingdom has arrived when people are brought to penitent faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and then through the powerful working of the Holy Spirit, they bear fruit in keeping with repentance, bear the fruit of the Spirit as they mortify their sinful flesh. We can say the kingdom of God has come among us when we see things like that happening. But Heathcraft, I've never really noted him to be much of a preacher of sin. Christ and him crucified for our sins, repentance, and bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. So when he says it's our job to bring the the kingdom from heaven to earth, I would note that God even when in the case of a penitent sinner, uh, that when somebody's brought to penitent faith in Christ, God is the one who's bringing his kingdom, not me pulling it down. So weird language. In, in 2016, our word was acceleration. And this was the, this was the first, because things were accelerating, like in our church, like God was moving. It was incredible. Now, it's, uh, I want to point this out. You see, I'm a pastor, and uh, I've been a pastor since uh, 2014, and wouldn't you know it, God didn't call me on the phone or send me a text message or an email to let me know what the word from him was for the congregation I serve in either 2014 or 15. Come to think of it, he didn't call me either in 2016 or 2017 or 2018. Yeah, nor 2019 and 2020. So yeah, I, 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 is this an opt-in thing? You know, you have to sign up for a list or whatever. And then once you sign up for it, God sends your pastor individual words and stuff like, or maybe it's just that my church isn't special enough, or I know I'm, I, I'm just not holy enough as a Christian. You see, as a Christian pastor, I, I don't glow in the dark like Keith Craft does. And so because I don't glow in the dark, God just skips over me. It's like the Passover every year. He, you know, he looks at me and goes, oh, Chris Roseborough hasn't learned how to glow in the dark yet, so no word for me to give to his congregation for this year. You see, something's going on here. And that is, is that this particular practice creates the impression that Keith Craft's congregation is more special than a, a, an ordinary church. Um, and that Keith Craft as a pastor, as a vision casting leader, he, he's holier than you know the average pastor who doesn't get words like this. And so why would you want to go to a church where God doesn't tell the, the, your, your pastor, you know, why would you want to go to a church where your, God isn't talking to your pastor to give him a word for each individual year? You see, I, I just kind of go with the idea that the standing orders in the Bible are still standing for me as a pastor, that my job is to preach the word in season, out of season, make disciples, proclaim the full counsel of the word of God, 
And I, I follow a program where the full counsel of the Word of God, every major doctrine of Scripture, and a whole lot of sub-doctrines, you know, secondary and tertiary, are taught clearly from the Word of God in one calendar year every year. And then we do the same thing the following year, and then the year after that, and then the year after that. Yeah, every, every calendar year, I can say as a pastor, we've taught the full counsel of the Word of God. We've hit every major doctrine, from creation to the doctrine of the Trinity, to sound Christology in the Incarnation, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, which gets proclaimed every single Sunday, that Christ has bled and died for our sins, calls it for people in the congregation to repent, to be forgiven, to bear the fruit of the Spirit. I, I mean... Yeah, yeah. We, we talk about the virgin birth. We talk about Christ's descent into hell. Yes, that's in Scripture. Look it up. Uh, you know, things of this nature. Just walk through the major doctrines of of Christianity, what the church has historically confessed for millennia. We go through all of that every year, and then we do the same thing the following year after that, and the following year after that. That's my job. Scripture says that I'm supposed to be doing that, so I do that. And since God has given the same orders to me as he's given to Keith Craft, and those orders are found in the written word of God, I just kind of go with the idea, these are standing orders and Jesus doesn't need to repeat himself. I mean, if a pastor is not going to apply himself to learning the word of God, then what would make him qualified to teach it? You see what I'm saying there? And I think they're going to show a picture of this, but 2006, guys, y'all got it? Once they get it, we'll go. Thank you very much. So uh, you're going to see maybe some funny pictures, too, uh, because we all just keep getting better and better, right? In 2007, the word was favor, a divine advantage for success. In 2008, God a divine advantage for success. It sounds like this guy um, scratches itching ears, tells people what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear. Give me the word breakthrough. And that- really? God gave you the word breakthrough in 2008. Really? That's a prophecy bingo word. It was where the leadershipology, when you grow through what you go through, you create breakthrough. So let me just say that tonight again. When you grow through what you go through, you create breakthrough. Some people can't figure out how to break through in their business. They can't figure out how to break through in their life. They can't figure out how to break through financially. It's because if you don't grow through what you go through, then you'll get a breakdown. You won't get a breakthrough. Then in 2009, our word was elevate. And by the end of that year on December, December 31st, 2009, we renamed our church Elevate Life Church. That's how, that's how much these words mean to us. God gives us a word. We don't know what's going to happen with the word that I'm going to give you in just a few minutes, but I'm just telling you, these words are so significant that when, when God gave me this word in 2009, by the end of that year, we renamed our church Elevate Life Church. 2010, multiply. And that's exactly what began to happen in our church. We were also in the middle of a building project in the worst economy in recent American history. This building that you're sitting in was being built in 08 and 09 and 010. Some of you remember what was happening in, the, in this country. We were the largest church building project in America, and there were churches and banks going bankrupt 
all around us. And God just kept giving us his favor. God kept giving us breakthrough. God kept elevating us. God kept multiplying us. In 2011, God gave me the word celebrate. because You sure God gave you that word? You sure? What evidence can you give me that God's giving you these words? And why isn't God giving these words to all Christians at all time? Now, I just kind of throw this in here. In the epistle of Jude, uh, the half-brother of of Jesus Christ writes, "Uh, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. Yeah. When you read the writings of the church fathers, um, you know, for instance, maybe Augustine of Hippo or Hilary of Poitiers, you know, or maybe Irenaeus or um, Polycarp or, you know, you know, fill in the blank, your favorite church father, right? When you read the writings of the church father, you, nowhere in the writings of the church fathers do you hear any of them saying, and the word that the Lord gave to our pastor for the year... 197, and that word was, yeah, the the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints means that you don't get to add to or subtract from Christianity. This practice, again, Keith Kraft noted that it began in 2006. It's a tradition. I would argue this is a tradition of men, not of God, and God's not talking to him. I I have no reason to believe that God gave him any of these words. None whatsoever. We continue. Because a little did I know that by the time we got to 2012, we would move into this building. It would finally be done after years and years of building. And then in 2012, it was increase. And indeed, God began to increase us. 2013, enlarge. 2014, expand. 2015. <laughs> These are all like words on steroids. Increase, expand. Empower. 2016. Excel. 2017. Excel. Yeah, I, I hate spreadsheets. I don't particularly like them. Being grow. 2018. Forward. 2019. Anybody remember the word in 2019? Supernatural. Supernatural. The Bible says now to him who is able to do exceedingly. Taking Ephesians, that benediction, you know, at the end of a prayer from the book of Ephesians, out of context. We covered that recently on an episode of Fighting for the Faith. Abundantly above all we could ask or think according to the power that works within us. So once these words are given, and the reason I took time to give these words to you, and again, they'll be on the notes, I think, uh, on our website is because I want you to know once these words are released, it's in the tapestry or the fabric of what God is doing right here in Frisco, Texas, that is touching the world and that will continue to touch the world. Before I give you the word tonight, I want to read our scripture, and that's Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I also want to say... All right, so this is where he tries to make it appear like the word that he's received from God for the you know for the coming year, and this was a service held on New Year's Eve at Elevate Life Church there at uh, uh, Frisco, Texas, and um, and so he's going to 
try to make it look like this is from the Bible. So we're going to look at multiple paraphrases and translations of a particular text because he's hunting for the word. It, it, it should show up a couple of times uh, as he's uh, reading out these texts for the purpose of making it appear like, oh, well, this man, this is straight up biblical. He's twisting God's word here to make it appear like God's word supports the practice that he's engaging in. But the practice he's engaging in is not a biblical practice. And no, God did not give him any of those words. Hi to Pastor Precious. I love you, baby. You're awesome. And I hope you're staying warm. It was four degrees when I left at four o'clock this morning. And uh, so I know she's cold. Romans 12, one and two. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary. Okay, this is from the MSG. Listen, you, you don't want to attend a church where the pastor is putting MSGs into the sermon. Yeah, you want an MSG free sermon. Yeah, just saying. The, the, the MSG, the message, it's not a translation. This thing is abysmal. Nobody should be exegeting this because you can't exegete this. It, it'll lead you astray. And I always find that um, false teachers prefer either the message or the passion translations. And uh, both of them are completely abysmal, should be avoided like the plague because they, they do not give a faithful rendering of what the original languages say. Very life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. I want to read that one more time. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. (laughs) What is he? Okay, this is why you need MSG free sermons. Let's take a look at that. Uh, Romans chapter 12. By the way, the book of Romans is an amazing book. And I find it fascinating that when evangelicals quote Romans, it's as if the book of Romans starts at Romans 12, like partway through the first sentence of verse 1. And and they don't know what to do with the first 11 chapters. I would note the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans lay out in explicit detail and repetitive examples that we are saved by God's grace through faith apart from works of the law. By works of the law, no one will be saved. And then when you get to chapter 12, and by the way, it it lays those out, you know, for the first 11 chapters over and over and over again with different uh, ways of saying the same thing. Then by the time you get to 12, you're ready to hear about sanctification because you're not going to say, you know, that somehow your sanctification is a, a factor in your justification. It's not. Your sanctification flows from your justification. Always fascinating, but uh, let, me, let, me, let me take a look real quick. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. What is that? All right, so uh, what Romans does say from a good translation, the ESV, is a, is a fine translation. And here's what it says. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. You'll note that before he segues into a section to 
give the admonitions then of you know, regarding sanctification, you know, and are driving us and spurring us and motivating us and reminding us to push forward into good works for the sake of our neighbor, not in order to be saved, but because we are saved. Paul then reminds them, I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And it, you're, you're, you are already holy because Christ has made you holy, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's what a good translation says, and this is very faithful to the original languages, to the Greek. Okay, come back, because MSGs, yeah, no, you want an MSG-free sermon. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Somebody put an amen. Just focus for a second. That's what amen, it's focusing on what the word just said. Amen means so, so let it be, you know. You will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings... Where did Eugene Peterson get all these extra words? The best out of you develops well-formed maturity in you. Somebody put an amen on that. So, a, a different translation. Romans, the 12th chapter, the first... From the NLT. Not the best. And second verse in the New Living Translation. And so, dear brothers and sisters, everybody say, that's us. Now everybody say it, that's us. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. I will say this, the NLT is a lot closer than the MSG. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn. Mm-hmm. I see. I see where he's going with this. Any hints yet as to what that, what the word for 2020 that Keith Kraft claims that God gave him is? Learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. Put an amen on that. And now one more time in the New King James Version. Okay, New King James, really decent translation. I beseech you, I plead with you, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Yeah, you'll note the uh, New King James Fine translation, decent translation. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So here we've got Romans 12, 1 and 2 out of context. One from the MSG, which is just abysmal. Second from the New Living, which is... Eh, 
third from the New King James, uh, fine translation with the New King James version. And again, all of this out of context in order to create the impression. Oh, yeah, this word that God gave to Keith Kraft for 2020. That's straight out of the Bible, man. So now it's time for the word for 2020. Watch this. I'm seeing caterpillars turning into butterflies. transformation everyone on your feet let's give a standing ovation to god to talking to keith Kraft to let us all know at least let them know how special he is and how they special they are because they've got a special word from god and all you normal churches don't get these come on i'm about to tell you what it means i want you to get excited stress about to transform y'all Some of you are going to hear this and you're not, and I want you to mark down what I'm saying. This is for some people. You're not going to know exactly what it means until June. I ain't going to pull up another biblical text. Okay. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Um, yeah, in fact, let me do this. I have to A-C-T-S. There we go. Chapter 20. The apostle Paul talking to the pastors uh, from the city of Ephesus as he's heading towards Jerusalem. Uh, he, he, he has some words of encouragement uh, for them and some words of warning. Here's what he says. Uh, Acts chapter 20, partway through verse 18, he's addressing these pastors and says, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing Uh, what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again, Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I would note that uh, in churches like Elevate Life Church, yeah, the claim that, that God's giving him a specific word for you know the year and stuff like that, that um, at the pace that they're going, which is a glacial one, uh, at the pace that they're preaching and teaching, um, it would take probably at least 100 to 150 years for them to finally get around to teaching the whole counsel of the word of god doesn't seem to have you know that that's that's how piecemeal it is when it comes to the word of god so paul note he says he's innocent of the blood of all because he didn't shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of god pay careful attention uh, to yourselves and to all the flock which the holy spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of god which god obtained with his own blood yeah that's right that's reference to christ on the cross let you know that he's god so I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Here, auton could be translated after themselves. I would note that uh, in churches like Elevate Life Church and others that follow models like this, where they, they have glow-in-the-dark vision-casting leaders who specifically get individual words from God, that these fellows are really good at making disciples after themselves, but they're not good at teaching the full counsel of the Word of God and making disciples of Jesus Christ. Again, I don't recognize this practice as biblical. I have never seen this practice practiced in any of the ancient churches. And Keith Kraft comes along in the 21st century and claims that this is their tradition and claims that he's hearing from God. And I'm sitting there going, that's weird because for all his claims that he's hearing from God, he sure isn't doing what Paul did, nor what Paul instructs pastors to do. Second Timothy chapter four is helpful in this regard. Paul, as he's getting ready to be beheaded, uh huh, he martyred for the Christian faith and for his proclamation and belief and testimony of Christ. He writes to young Pastor Timothy, a pastor in the city of Ephesus, and he says this, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom to preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. That's today. In fact, what we just saw happen there at Elevate Life Church, salient example of it. Keith Craft does not teach the full counsel of the Word of God. He's not making disciples of Jesus. He's making disciples of himself. Claims that he glows in the dark. Well, that's my way of putting it. Here's directly from God, and God gives him unique words. And these people there at Elevate Life Church don't even know that they've been completely disconnected from Scripture and disconnected from the historic church and the faith once delivered to the saints. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. All right, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com, or you could subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to be checking out the failed 
2020 prophecy vision from uh, Phil Pringle, and we'll throw in a little Dr. Michael Brown from Brownsville just to make the point. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. We don't need to rethink Christianity. We need to rediscover it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. I've had enough of this sissy, pansy, turning for the written music you have the audacity to call worship. Men, put this entire girly praise band in the boo box. Let's wheel in the organ and get some real worship music underway. Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio. presents Church Day Select. Thank you for calling Zonda Vendexabot. How can I help you today, sir or ma'am? Ah, so you're having trouble with your copy of the Grimoire of Modern Prayer. That is very unfortunate. Can I please ask for your name first? Ah, your name is Pete Billingham. Well, Mr. Billingham, this is Bob from Connecticut. I would be most pleased to assist you in any way that I can. You are very welcome, sir. Now, what is it about the grimoire of Mother Brown that troubles you so? I see. It seems you have opened a black hole in your living room and wish to have it removed. I am dreadfully sorry, but I am not qualified to help in such matters. I will have to transfer you over to my supervisor. Please do not bring my mother into this. I am transferring you now. Hello, and thank you for calling Zonda Detective Board. How can I help you today, sir? I do not know what you mean, sir. My assistant and I are not the same person. I am Jim, Jimmy Jim Jim, Jimmy Jim Jim, from Rancho Cucamonga. I am sorry, sir, but I cannot understand you over the screaming. Did you just say bird in num-nums? Or that your cat was just sucked into the black hole? <laughs> so very sorry about the little kitty cat. Now, there is something you can try. You can take a piece of pie and throw it into the black hole. I swear to you, it makes complete sense. You see, the black hole is feeding right now, and you need to trick it into thinking that it is full. Be sure not to give it pumpkin. That will only make it more angry. Okay, that didn't work. You have one more chance before we use the emergency destruct procedures. Make yourself a non-fat decaf mocha with no whipped cream, seven pumps of chocolate, and skim milk. I know, why bother? Now, I want you to throw it into the black hole as well.
Well, I guess it didn't work either. Maybe we should have used 2%. Please stay calm, sir. You now only have one of two options. Close the book and burn it, or close the book and throw it into the black hole. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello, people of the interwebs. Strongbird here with an important announcement. <coughs> Bland. Have you not felt any exhilaration since you watched the paint dry on them three years ago? Well, you're in luck. Pirate Christian Media is now sending pretty, pretty pictures for you to spruce up your depressingly bland wall space. Wait, just one moment. Uh, oh, really? Okay. I'm sorry, folks. These are not pretty, pretty pictures. They're fine art prints. Which means that you're probably going to want to hang them in an actual frame rather than on the fridge next to little Jimmy's impressionist take on motor vehicles. Uh, is that even street legal? These fine art photographs, or, uh, uh, um, art for short, will be personally signed by the captain himself with an included certificate of authenticity to boot. Mm-hmm. Now that's quality art if I ever saw it. But be warned, larger prints of Pirate Christian Media's art are limited editions with only 50 of each print being made. Be sure to go to piratechristian.com, click on the Fine Art Photographs link at the top of the page, and check for prices and availability of our regularly updated photo gallery. Thank you. All right, we're back. Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that the practice of pastors and vision casting leaders given words from God to give on New Year's Eve isn't even biblical, because it's not. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us. It is a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our three friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew, and rank is based upon your monthly commitment. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Mate at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month, and then Quartermaster $99.95 a month. Joining our crew is a great way to support us, and through the month of January, uh, if you join our crew at Gunner's Mate or above, I will send you a signed copy, 8.5 by 11 copy, of my fine art photograph titled All Things London. You can see uh, what that looks like on our website on the Join Our Crew page. 
And, of course, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, you do so by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, we're going to be doing a Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate update. So let's do this. So I was having this wedding, and and we had we well we didn't have we Shaba Shaba Shunday. Today, we're going to be heading down to Australia to start off with. And note that uh, Phil Pringle, the vision casting leader and you know, self-proclaimed prophetic type who leads the C3 movement, um, he has um, now officially engaged in giving a false prophecy. We'll take a look at the biblical standards for what makes a true or a false prophet. And uh, we'll note a very specific word, presumptuous. Yeah, the word is presumptuous today. That's our today's fighting for the faith is brought to you by the word presumptuous. Yes. And anyway, <laughs> we'll note that that particular word becomes the key to unlocking uh, one of the ways in which you can identify a false prophet. Uh, but we're going to specifically be keying in on Phil Pringle's 2020 vision. He, he had a word from the Lord that he's been, well, making use of for more than a decade, you know, as far as fundraising and activity and getting people involved in C3. And it's their 2020 vision, which he claims comes from God. And uh, and just and so we'll see if, if the, the details of the 2020 vision have come to pass. And if we can now say, check, Phil Pringle is a true prophet or check. We now can definitively say again, I have to say again because he's done this before, that he's a false prophet. And again, we're going to apply the biblical standard. And just to kind of dogpile on the concept, we're going to head to the Brownsville uh, revival from the 1990s and uh, listen to uh, Dr. Michael Brown give a prophecy regarding a youth revival that was supposed to happen concurrent with or right on the heels of the Brownsville revival. Uh, And we'll listen to the details and see if um, that prophecy came to pass as well. So we're going to start off in the biblical text. Let me do this. I'm going to whirl up my desktop. Let me pull open my Bible. And we're going to take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 18. Now, Real quick here, uh, when you go to Deuteronomy 18, some people who are involved in the charismatic movement or the NAR will immediately go, oh, this is an old covenant standard. It doesn't apply today. Yes, actually, it does. 
Yeah. So let, let me explain why. In the Old Testament, there are two major tests in the book of Deuteronomy that are given regarding testing whether or not somebody is a true prophet or a false prophet. One is the idolatry or false doctrine test, and the other is the presumption, the presumptuousness. There, there it is, the presumptuousness test. I'm tripping over my words today. All right, so let's take a look at the idolatry test first, shall we? Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 13. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder. So a prophet or a dreamer of dreams pops up, gives a sign and or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass. This is a legitimate prophecy that has taken place. It's occurred. A sign or a wonder. And then he says to let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For Yahweh your God is testing you to know whether you love Yahweh your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Okay, so prophet comes, gives a true prophecy, or performs a sign or a wonder, and then says, and while we're at it, let's go ahead and worship Molech and Asherah. And you sit there and go, wait a second. One of the tests of the prophet, in fact, one of the first, the first test of a prophet given in the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 13, is the idolatry test. Mm -hmm. And so this still applies today. So for instance, let's, let's pretend for a second that somebody at Bethel gets up and gives a very detailed prophecy. And the details are, are, are amazingly clear and lucid and coherent and then that prophecy comes to pass. And then after everyone is marveling, going, whoa, I can't believe how accurate that was and that it came to pass. Of course, Charisma News will be running this front page on their website. You know, yeah, this will be the headline for weeks. Uh, but then that prophet from Bethel, if they said, well, let us then go ahead and worship uh, the, the deities of, uh, of Hinduism. People will say, no, we can't do that. Deuteronomy 13 says if a prophet comes and, and he says something's going to happen and it happens and then tells us to worship other gods, that's a false prophet. Now, note, I seriously doubt that people at that point would say, listen, listen, the, the prohibition against worshiping other deities, well, that's just old covenant stuff. <laughs> you know, it doesn't apply today. Yeah, it still does. So you'll note, when we take a look at God's law in the Old Testament, there are three types of law. First type is the moral law, and these laws still apply and have been restated in the New Testament. This would include the laws pertaining to idolatry, blaspheming God's name, it applies to honoring your father and your mother. It applies to murder. It applies to sexual immorality and adultery, to stealing, to slandering and bearing false witness against your neighbor, and to coveting. All of those commands in the moral law have been restated as being binding on Christians in the New Testament, including the, the prohibition for idolatry and the prohibition of taking the name of the Lord your God in vain. 
that commandment of blaspheming God's name is still in effect. So that being the case, no one can sit there and go, well, <laughs> prohibition against idolatry, that's in the Old Testament. That doesn't really apply in the New. Yes, it, it really does. It really does. Now, all of that being said, there's another test in Deuteronomy regarding whether or not somebody is a true prophet or a false prophet. And it's given by Moses in a prophecy regarding Jesus. Yes, Moses prophesied about Christ. And so let's take a look at the prophecy, and here's what it says. Deuteronomy 18.15, Yahweh your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of Yahweh your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of Yahweh my God or see his great fire anymore lest I die. And Yahweh said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. So you'll note, in this particular prophecy, this begins with a prophecy about Jesus, and and God is making it clear. He's going to send somebody who's a prophet like Moses, and you've got to listen to him. If you don't listen to him, God is going to hold you accountable and responsible for not hearing his words, which then kind of begs the question, well, how will I know whether or not somebody is truly speaking God's words or not, if they're really a prophet? So verse 20 now comes into play. But the prophet who presumes, and so here is our Hebrew word, and it means to act presumptuously. Okay, It's to assume, to, to think that that voice that you heard was God and repeat what that voice said, but it wasn't God. You are acting presumptuously. So the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods. So notice Deuteronomy 13 is re-invoked. Idolatry and false doctrine go hand in hand, all right? And they are still disqualifiers regarding so-called prophets who speaks, you know, so that prophet who speaks, that I have not commanded him to speak, who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. All right, so you're going to note Deuteronomy 18, in the old theocracy of ancient Israel, false prophets, those who broke the commandment that said, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, who blasphemed, how did they blaspheme? By speaking and acting presumptuously, speaking words for God that God did not command them to speak, the penalty in the ancient theocracy of Israel was the death penalty. That's what the text says. So if you say in your heart, well, how may we know the word that Yahweh has not spoken? And that's the question. All right, so how do we know for sure when Yahweh hasn't spoken? Because we can eliminate that. We're, we're closer to figuring out 
when he has spoken. So, when a prophet speaks, and watch what it says, in the name of the Lord. All right? And you're going to know, when we do our prophecy bingo segments, what... <laughs> Whose name do people speak in? Oh, the Lord is telling me the word of the Lord for this. The word of the, They're speaking in the name of the Lord, right? So when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that Yahweh has not spoken. And watch what happens. The prophet has spoken presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. In other words, arrest him and have him tried. And after the trial, if he's found guilty, you exact the proper punishment in the ancient theocracy of Israel. Now, in the New Covenant, we, we, we're not required to follow the civil laws of ancient Israel. So there were three types of laws. I, in fact, I started this. There's the moral law. There's the civil law. These are the civil laws of the ancient theocracy of Israel that are connected to the moral law. And then there are the ceremonial laws. So the ceremonial laws have all been fulfilled by Jesus because they all in one way or another were a type and shadow that pointed to Christ and his vicarious suffering for our sins. And you'll note the temple is gone. So all of the ceremonial laws, nobody's obeying those. And the civil laws of the ancient theocracy of Israel, those, that ancient theocracy doesn't exist today. And so the civil laws have fallen away. The only thing left, and in the New Testament, the only t- part of the Mosaic Covenant laws that got restated and were made to perfectly clear to be binding on the conscience of Christians were the moral laws. So this will include not having any other God, not taking the name of the Lord your God in vain, and I have already stated them all, you know, honoring your father and mother, not murdering, not committing adultery, not stealing, not lying, all of those things still apply today. So you'll note then that how do you know when the Lord hasn't spoken? Somebody says, thus saith the Lord, next Tuesday is Taco Tuesday, and you're going to have steak. Okay, and so Taco Tuesday shows up, and lo and behold, you have chicken tacos. That prophet hasn't heard from God. Knows what the standard is. How will we know the word that the Lord Yahweh has not spoken? Well, the word that the Lord has not spoken is the one that when somebody says, the Lord says, the Lord told me, the Lord gave me this vision, the Lord gave me this strategy, the Lord told me that this thing was going to take place by such and such a time. If it doesn't come to pass, you can say, the Lord didn't say that. The person speaking those words acted and spoke presumptuously. Because we can, we can according to the biblical standard, just completely rule out that the Lord told them anything because it didn't come to pass. The Lord has not spoken. They have spoken presumptuously. A presumptuous prophet is a false prophet. That's the biblical standard of both the old and the new. Still in effect today. I mean, can you, you sit there, oh, no, 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 it's not in effect today. Uh, that's that's a silly. That's just an Old Testament standard. Okay, so, you know, prophet so-and-so said such-and-such was going to happen, and it didn't happen. 
And I'm supposed to believe now that they're hearing from God still. Clearly, they're inaccurate. They are presumptuous. They are speaking words for God that are not coming to pass. You know, a good way to put it is that when you think about baseball, man, if you can hit, get on base, three times out of ten times you come up to bat, you got a 300 batting average, there's a good chance you're going to make it into the Hall of Fame. But with a person claiming to hear directly from God, they, they, uh, they don't have to be somewhat accurate or mostly accurate. They don't get to have a 300 batting average or a 500 or a 600 batting average. They have to be batting 1,000. Otherwise, they are speaking presumptuously words that God has not commanded them. The standard is still in effect today. All right, all that being said, we are going to head over to C3 Church, and we're going to do a little bit of um, review, if you would. Uh, The vision-casting prophetic type there at the C3 movement is Phil Pringle, and Phil Pringle for practically the entire time I've been covering him, and I've been covering him for a decade, has been talking up this 2020 vision that God has given to C3 Church. Uh, Let's uh, review the details of that, shall we? Uh, Here's uh, Phil Pringle. My apologies for any dramatic music and Cyrillic subtitles. Uh, You know, this is, uh, you know, I nabbed this off the internet. So here we go. In the beginning, God gives us a vision. This vision is to build the church worldwide. Building the church is God's top priority in this generation. You and I are... So notice he said that God gives vision. ...to bring people to Christ, to make disciples, and release those people into ministry within our churches and beyond. And by doing this, we will fulfill the heavenly vision. So it's a heavenly vision. You know, by doing these things, they're going to fulfill a heavenly vision. Vision from God always boosts faith on the inside. Vision from God. So the 2020 vision comes from God, and it moves faith and stuff. Inside of your soul. As soon as we hear the magnitude of what God is calling us to do, we find faith rising on the inside that this is possible. Just like Joshua knew he could take the land of Canaan, so we know that we can build a church around the world. All right, so they... so. Just like Joshua knew he could take Canaan, C3 knows that they can build a church around the world, you know, because, because God gave them a vision. Every vision is just a fantasy without a plan. God has given us a strategy. All right, so God gave him a strategy to fulfill the vision, too. And as we follow that pathway, we will find ourselves expanding right around the world. We will raise up thousands of leaders. Thousands of leaders. Net group leaders, worship leaders, assistant leaders, leaders of churches, people who will work to build the house of God and fulfill this dream God has put in our hearts. Fulfill the dream God has put in our hearts. So he's coming to us. In the name of the Lord, it's the Lord who's given them their 2020 vision. 
Faith without action is dead. Just believing that this vision is going to happen will make it happen. This vision calls for action. It calls, it calls for action. It, 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 you got to get busy. Faith without works is dead, you know. It's for people to step out. It calls for sacrifice. It calls for... It calls for sacrifice. Write big checks. Stretching. It calls for raising ourselves up to a level we've never been before. This action... All right, so notice the graphic here is talking about their church growth. And those are years. So when you get to 2020, what's the number that they're supposed to be? He's taken us from 71 churches in the year 2000. To 1,000. There was 1,000. Let me, let, me, let me see if I can nail Never this been before. real quick. This action has taken so us from fast. 71 churches in the year. Oh, so close. Hang on. There it is, 1,000. See, they're going to go all the way to 1,000, the 2020 vision. That God gave C3 Church, you know, through the prophetic types. Uh, uh, prophet vision casting leader Phil Pringle is a thousand. Thousand. Thousand churches by 2020. Thousand to over 300 today. It's taken us from five nations to 35 nations. And today we have influence in 200 cities around the world. This momentum turns a small snowball into a massive avalanche. It's small snowball into massive avalanche by the year 2020. The power of compounding effort. You compounding interest? No. Compounding effort? Yes. You and I are involved in a gathering momentum of the great power. Of it, it, did you see the countdown for the year 2020? I mean, 2020 is the big is the big deal here. Into a Backing up, just so you kind of see this. It's the power Everything comes to that 1,000. It looks 17 years until 2020. How many years until 2020? Effort. You and I 14, are involved 13, 10, in a gathering 18, momentum 25, of the great power of God. Because of this momentum, we are seeing 600 people around the globe come to Christ every week in C3 churches. Because of this momentum, we're seeing nearly 30,000 come to Christ every year. Because of this momentum, each week 75,000 people are gathering to worship God. God of heaven is with us. It's his mighty plan to build his church on the earth. Together, you and I are going to see this amazing thing come to pass. You are part of a history-making group of people that are changing planet Earth. History-making people on planet Earth. You're going to change the world, man, because we've got a vision from God. We're going to have a thousand churches by the year 2020. As we fulfill the 2020 vision. All right, so there, there you got the 2020 vision. There's some other materials. This uh, another fellow put together a uh, a video regarding this and noted that uh, they haven't really come up with the numbers. Yeah, in fact, let's take a look at the numbers real quick. If you go to c3churchglobal.com, c3churchglobal.com. Now, granted, I'm not that good at math. In fact, I do believe that math is a dark art. Um, and, uh, in, uh, you, you know, if you were to attend Hogwarts, then you would need to take defense against math class because it's a, never mind. You, you, you get the idea. So all of that being said that right there on the homepage, C3 church global, there's a map there, there, there is a map. It's at the bottom of the page. Here's their founders, Phil 
and Chris Pringle events and conferences. And look at this. There's a map. And the map has numbers on it. You know, I'm not good at math, but 10 plus 14 plus 5 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 plus 10 plus 3 plus 15. And yeah. Um, God told them they would be at a thousand churches by the year 2020. And I, they've got a few hundred here, not a thousand. In fact, significantly short of a thousand, not like not even close. Let let me review our biblical text here. Um, How may we know the word that Yahweh has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. So that whole 2020 vision thing that Phil Pringle said God gave him, God didn't give it to him. He, he, um, he has spoken it presumptuously. Well, if he, if he didn't hear from God Regarding, regarding something as core and central and important as C3's 2020 vision, can you trust Phil Pringle to have heard from God at all? I would say no. Um, he falls under the biblical definition of a false prophet here. He has spoken presumptuously. So Phil Pringle is a presumptuous prophet And according to Deuteronomy 18, presumptuous prophets who speak in the name of the Lord, words that have not been given to them by God, are false prophets. That's kind of fascinating here. So let me come back to here. So, you know, there's there's the, yeah, that's not a thousand. That's not a thousand. Like I said, some other fellow came up with a video who noted this and has already kind of spoiled the whole conclusion here uh, that uh, Phil Pringle's 2020 vision that he claimed he got from God didn't occur. Yeah. We will see ourselves fulfilling the 2020 vision and more as we fulfill the 2020 vision. C3 churches, we're heading for the 2020 vision. And so you and I are involved in a breakthrough church. Yes. A, an apostolic church. It's going to... A breakthrough church and an apostolic church. Uh, there are no living apostles today. And you'll, you'll note that part of the, I mean, why would you go to C3? Well, because they're better than every other church. They're a breakthrough church. They're an apostolic church. Uh, how? Because they're 2020 vision. Now, listen to uh, Chris Pringle here. I'm going to back this up. Watch what she does. C3 churches, we're heading for the 2020 vision. And so you and I are involved in a breakthrough church. Yes. A, an apostolic church that's going to actually. Did, you, did you, you hear that? Yeah, that, that's gibberish. Now, if that were tongues, and it's not, um, what she's doing is forbidden by Scripture. First uh, Corinthians 14 makes it clear that if somebody in church speaks in a tongue, you can't do it without an interpreter. I don't see Phil Pringle interpreting here, do you? So not only is he a false prophet, but his wife doesn't abide by the rules uh, regarding how tongues is to be used in church. Moving to the future, and, and yes. we're on the pointy end of the spear. We're going to see a thousand churches planted by the year 2020. I'm praying for it, and I'm agreeing with God that we. You're agreeing with God because God told you that, right? No, He didn't. He didn't tell you that. 
because it didn't come to pass. Deuteronomy 18 is clear. You've spoken presumptuously. We're going to see a massive move of the Holy Spirit building our congregations so that we are going to fill the stadiums of this world. Fill the stadiums of the world. I see thousands and thousands and thousands of people coming into the house of God. We are heading into the greatest revival we have ever seen. This is an hour when the whole earth will be filled with the glory of God. We will see ourselves fulfilling the 2020 vision and more. Well, you didn't. We are spirit. So you, you didn't see yourself fulfill the 2020 vision, which you said came from God, but now we objectively know didn't. So you did less. Power connect C3 churches, we're heading for the 2020 vision. God has given us a strategy. So God gave him a strategy, man. So no, multiple sources. This has been a key central message of, of C3 Church for, for a long time. And, um, and, yeah, all it did was prove to be a false prophecy. And as we follow that pathway, we will find ourselves expanding right around the world. This momentum turns yeah, a small snowball into a massive avalanche. It's the power of compounding effort. You and I are involved in a gathering momentum of the great power. Gathering momentum of the great power of God. Apparently God's great power fizzled out. Oh God. It's unstoppable. But it, it, that's what he said. It, it's, the video said it was unstoppable, but somebody stopped it. Together, you and I are going to see this amazing thing come to pass. And it didn't. In the ancient theocracy of Israel, yeah, you'd be on death row, dude. You are part of a history-making group of people that are changing planet Earth as we fulfill the 2020 vision. So apparently he's already started to come up with excuses. And so together, we are building a future C3. And I find the Lord impressing on me how we can renovate and refresh this vision. And renovate and refresh the vision. The person who put the video together <laughs> noted that <laughs> the, the reason why it didn't happen, Phil Pringle here is blaming God. Yeah, we, we, need, we, need, we need a renovated and, and fresher vision. And even add to it. Oh, uh, and then you got to add some stuff to this thingy that didn't happen. <laughs> if if <laughs> I love the the words here, if Phil's unstoppable vision was really from God, then why would God get it so wrong? That is my question. Well, actually, Deuteronomy eighteen makes it clear that Phil Pringle spoke presumptuously. That was not a word that the Lord had spoke. Why would He need to renovate or add to the vision? I love the dramatic music. You need somebody playing the violin really badly in the background. I'm believing for one million worshipers. You're believing for why? You're a false prophet at this point. They need to remove you. Gathering in C3 congregations every weekend around the globe. We will also be 1,000 churches. When, when, but when it, it didn't happen in 2020 by 2020, like you said, God said would happen. 
aim is that we would be that by 2020. But if we don't manage to hit that goal by then, it's not. Yeah, you didn't even come close. Not a problem. We're gonna. Yeah, no, it is a problem. You, you said God said you were gonna do that. See a thousand churches planted by the year 2020. It's not a problem. Together, you and I are going to see this amazing thing come to pass. It didn't happen. It's not a problem. We are heading into the greatest revival. Whoever edited this. <laughs> Brilliant. We have ever seen. We will see ourselves fulfilling the 2020 vision and more. But it's not a problem. It's not a problem. We're just going to we're going to renovate it and, and add to it. It's not a problem as we fulfill the 2020 vision. It's not a problem. Not a problem. No, no not not a problem. Except for this text. <clears throat> so if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. Presumptuous prophets are false prophets, uh, Phil Pringle. It, 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 it's a problem. <laughs> he says it's a problem. Watch out for those false prophets. Anyway, you get the idea. So whoever put that video together knew what they were doing. But, but wait, there's more. I, I've added some bonus footage here. We're going to go back in time to the Brownsville revival in, in Brownsville, Florida. And uh, let me let me see if I can make that bigger. There we go. And and this is Dr. Michael Brown, who was integral at the Brownsville revival. And he's going to be giving a prophecy regarding that. Remember the um, the really, really big youth revival that kind of overlapped with the uh, the Brownsville. What was it called again? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll let him explain what God is telling him. Hang on. We're going to go after God some more. And we're going to do something that I distinctly feel the Lord wants us to do. Distinctly feel the Lord wants them to do this. We're going to cry out for a move of God, the likes of which we've never seen among the young people. Uh, cry out for a move, the likes of which we haven't seen among the young people. Got it? Because God distinctly wants you to do this. Richard Crisco, the youth pastor here, is on his knees at the altar. But my heart's just been stirring that God's saying that there's a move coming among the young people. The intensity of which will be such that you won't even be able to compare it to what you've seen up to now. All right, so the intensity of this youth movement revival will be so off the chain, you know, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to eclipse what's happening at Brownsville. Well, I can, okay, so in, in recent memory in, in my lifetime, Toronto, then you've got Brownsville, Lakeland, which wasn't a youth thing, and then um, and 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 that you know uh, that um, uh, the um, uh, nope, nothing comes to mind. Jesus, Jesus, go back to playing, Charlie. Brother Richard, if you could make your way over, I want us to pray together for you. If you're able to do it, I, I want you to do it. I want the other brothers here with me. Faculty from the school that are here, come on up and join me. 
we're going to all lift our voices. We're going to lift our voices and ask God. Jesus, if there are other youth leaders that are here, I mean, you're seriously actively in youth ministry. Yeah, those, uh, I don't think they'd still be in youth ministry at this point in their life. How many years ago was this? 25? I want you to figure out a way to come forward as well. We're going to pray for you now. It's time for breakthroughs, friends. By praying for these youth leaders, it's symbolic. Mighty God. Mighty God. And then we're going to go after God. Listen to me. Tonight is the beginning. Tonight is the beginning. Tonight. I thought, yeah, the beginning. It's the beginning, yeah. Tonight is the beginning. Um, was it a false start? It's a new beginning. It's a new beginning. Jesus. 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 Let me just say this one thing. If you're a youth pastor coming up here and God's convicted you of sin tonight, just in case, make sure it's dealt with and renounced before you step foot up here. Jesus, just in case. Yeah, you, you wouldn't want God to strike you dead or nothing. Jesus. Help him over. Jesus. I don't say these things lightly, friend. I'd be a fool to. What good does it do to speak empty words? The Holy Spirit's saying it's time. We've seen awesome things. I've boasted around the country and around the world, boasted in Jesus about what he's doing among the young people here. And around America, I'm seeing a move among young people. I'm not in youth ministry, but my heart constantly goes out to young people. And he sees a move among young He sees it. Heading up a Bible college. I'm around young people all the time. But I've seen things happen in recent years, the likes of which I've wished to see for years and years. I'm so excited and encouraged. But I tell you, it's been like the trickle's going to turn into a flood. So the trickle will turn into a flood in youth revival. But we call the flood before we'll call a trickle. Jesus, see if you can bring them over. Once Brother Richard comes, other youth pastors. Jesus, the Holy Spirit's here, friends. Calling all youth pastors. Calling all youth pastors. There's a, this is the beginning. It's going to start. It's, it's a revival among the youth. It's going to make Brownsville look paltry, puny in comparison. This is a night to break through. This is a night to break through. Something snapped in me a week ago. I'm different. Jesus. 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 Would you lift your voices for this generation? God. Like someone's passing a kidney stone. Okay, so um, what was the name of that big youth revival that eclipsed the Brownsville? Um, yeah. Uh, mm, mm. So if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuous. And presumptuous prophets are false prophets. In the ancient theocracy of Israel, presumptuous prophets under the 
civil laws of ancient Israel, of the you know, of the theocracy of ancient Israel, that was a capital crime. It's still a breaking of the second commandment. The second commandment says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And that's exactly what you do when you say, God told me this, or I see that the Lord is saying, and such and such is going to happen. And when it doesn't happen, you are now guilty of breaking that commandment. You have now blasphemed God. You've spoken presumptuously, contrary to his word. That makes you a presumptuous prophet. And presumptuous prophets are false prophets. So what would you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you could do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you could subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash fire Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at fire Christian. Until tomorrow, may God richly bless you and the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.